0: This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and we're still basking in the glow of a new year, so we're going to try to do something a little bit new on the show, Paul. We're going to try to give somebody good advice. Close. We're, we're going to pass on someone else's good advice about <laughs> buying wine. Excellent. I'm Rick Cushman. I'm Paul Wagner. This is Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Today we have some advice that will make your wine shopping a little smoother. We have listener questions about wine prices and oak bombs. We have lots of other kinds of questions, and as usual, we will make fun of wine snobs. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Brick and Paul, and today we're going to give some tips about buying wine.
1: So you go into a store, you give them money, they give you wine. Pretty simple. It's
0: a good system. I think I'm with that. But we're actually going to add just a few more details that we hope will be helpful.
1: Okay, it's good. W- I hope we're we not do. going to give people the the 12 rules you should never break when you're uh, buying a bottle of wine.
0: No. In fact, that's exactly what we hate. We hate these don't break these rules. We did a show not so long ago about the, making fun of somebody who was saying ways not to make, make a fool of yourself in a wine shop. because. Right you can't. Um this is actually uh from some pretty fun s- folks. They are generally on our side of the ledger in terms of wine should be a joyful thing. These are the folks at Vine Pair, It's a website mm-hmm. kind of, you know, it's it's cheeky and 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 they make wine. They make wine non-traditional and fun as it should be. Good. Um the one I have a tiny quibble because uh, their story was. I don't only,
1: think you should talk about the size of your quibble.
0: It's well, I've it's been it's been growing lately because <laughs> I think it's inflamed.
1: But it's a <laughs> an inflamed
0: quibble. <laughs> I'm, I'm calling my doctor. <laughs> <That's>, I would. <laughs> yeah. All right. Well, the story says the seven mistakes everyone makes at a wine shop, and what they're trying to be okay. is very nice. Let about me make
1: it. this very clear: I have not made all seven of these mistakes. Oh, it says everyone makes them I've oh not you're made right all that's seven a
0: good point. that's true I've made five of seven well no we've made none because it's not about making mistakes in right wine. and that's our inflamed minor quibble and we don't blame wine vine pair for it because they mean well we want to say they're nice folks but yep. um, but even then it is it is a measure of sort of the nature of the silliness that surrounds the wine industry that right. even when people mean well yes that they somehow can... it still ends this thing like you can do things wrong you can make horrible mistakes right so um, um, we make horrible mistakes And we stay on the air We figured you can too um, uh, So we're going to turn it around In just a tiny bit These are their headlines But we're going to make this In the affirmative As in there are things to do Oh good for you So you've taken the mistake do. And turned it into a positive I have I've turned that frown upside down <laughs> Excellent um, So let's start with here the How they start Because I do like how they start Yeah Heading to the local wine shop Can be an intimidating And anxiety inducing experience They Much say Much like being on this show uh, <laughs> That's true All you want to do is get in and get out with a bottle of wine you're going to enjoy. Yep, that's true. You know, and I've heard people say that. I've had friends that are nervous about going to a place where it's not just the, the BevMo's of the world, but a place that's a specific bottle right, shop. Right, You know, they feel like me going into a jewelry
1: store where they're being watched. My reaction immediately is if you walk into a retail shop and they don't make you feel welcome and appreciated, you should go into a different shop. It's that simple. Yep,
0: yep. Why uh-huh. would you want to shop in a place where they treat you? badly that's the first answer just leave I say you tell them that you're leaving because they're not nice that's right you say uh, hello mr. clerk who's not nice you know I'm gonna go where someplace where people yes. are more
1: friendly yes there's a very nice man down the street and I'm gonna go buy wine from him yes, because he, I don't like the way I'm treated in this shop
0: and he has nothing to prove so I'm gonna buy wine from him thank there you very you go. much all right all right so here here's uh, vine pairs list number one great point talk to the clerk talk to the clerk these are people filled with information. Sometimes. Uh, yeah. Yeah. Well, that's true. <laughs> Sometimes. Sometimes. We, we're we going to assume that they're working in the wine shop. They can help you a little bit anyway. Okay. Um, and, of course, if there's snobs, now, now.
1: So one of the reasons people don't want to talk to the clerk, the customer is afraid if they talk to the clerk, the clerk will see that the customer doesn't know very much about mm-hmm. wine, and they don't want to be – Naked in front of the, the clerk. They don't want to have their weaknesses exposed. I wear clothes every
0: time I go wine shopping. Uh, and Always. with a
1: quibble your size, I would <laughs> do the same. That's right.
0: Especially when it's inflamed.
1: <clears throat> um, and so uh, it, it, get over yourself. If you don't know anything, there's no better way than to walk into a wine shop. In fact, one of the things we're going to say eventually is you want to find your family wine shop. Yeah. There's no better way to start on that path than say, I don't know very much about this or that, but I'm supp- I'm here to buy a wine, and what can you do to help me?
0: Right. And the the, the you know, and it's, this is going to sound a little silly. The first conversation sometimes is the hardest. The first time you've asked for help in a wine store might feel uncomfortable, but you'll get used to it. It's just like uh, me trying to ask a woman before I met my lovely wife, me trying to talk to a woman at a bar. Pretty soon I learned to just take the rejection and move on. And Didn't bother me. Right. Try the next one. Two woman glasses the of morning. wine yeah, and you want to... No, they, and, but you won't get rejection. And in, in most shops, they were going to be nice. And if they are not nice, that's when you leave. Right. That's when exactly you say, I right. am going to the next one Yep. Good. Okay. okay. That's, a good, Number that's two. a good tip. Number two is a good one, too. Don't be afraid to return a bad bottle. Yes. I mean, if you've tasted something, that it feels spoiled to you. Yep. Yep.
1: Even if you don't like it, even if you buy a wine, particularly if you buy a wine based on the recommendation of the clerk to whom you are now on uh, speaking terms, um, I would bring it back and say, you know, I didn't like this wine, and here's why. And it may lead to some really interesting discussions. It may lead to the fact that you... It turns out that what you had immediately before you drank this bottle of wine was that you had a milkshake and all of a sudden this wine tasted sour and tart and unattractive and the clerk can say you know it actually wasn't the wine you probably shouldn't drink a milkshake right before you can, drink wine Can I return the milkshake? I don't think you can return okay. the milkshake although you may Darn. you may return the milkshake in a different way <laughs> well, we're
0: not going there. <laughs> we already we've already got we already got... But <laughs> even if it's just because you
1: don't like the wine I think you're still within your rights to go back and say you guys sold me this yeah, well that, based on what true. I yeah, told yeah, yeah. you, and you know what? It ain't working for yeah. me. And at the very least, they will say, let me write that down and remember it so the next time you're in, I can use
0: that to help you find a yeah, good bottle." Yeah, but wine. most places will for sure. And if, there's, if you do think it's a bad, anyway, the, the tip, however, is don't pour it out. Put no, the cork back in. Leave the wine in the bottle. Yeah, and you, right. and you will probably need your receipt. So, yeah. you know, although if if you've had a conversation with the clerk, they the may you. remember you, yeah, and that's yeah. all part of the. Sh- and and the, the truth of it too is the wine shop's not going to have to eat the wine, so to speak. That they don't. They, the, the, if the wine's defective, the, back, the producer
1: yeah. eventually reimburses
0: the wine shop. Right. So yep. so they're not going to be. They're gonna be yep. So yep. All right, uh, number three. Don't get hung up on price. That's a really good point in both directions. In both directions. See, now they say $20 is a pivot point so that you should be unafraid to spend $20 or more, but I think both directions is the better point.
1: Because every retailer I've ever known in the business has told me a story about someone who comes in and wants to buy a $20 bottle of, let's say, uh, Zinfandel, and the shop says, you know, I have an absolutely spectacular bottle of wine here. It's twelve dollars. It's won every competition. It got ninety eight points. It's the best Zinfandel in the world today. And the customer says, "Yeah, but I want a twenty dollars right. Zinfandel." Right. Price is only a part of the equation. Let them direct you to where you want to go.
0: Yeah, you know it's funny. I I, I think I might have told the story before on the show that I was at a, uh, a bar, a regular restaurant bar, um, mm-hmm. not so long ago, and there was a guy, and he's buying a glass of wine for his date. And yes. they, looked, they had the look of a relatively new couple, uh, or a new date anyway. And, uh-huh, uh-huh. and he said, uh, a Sauvignon Blanc. And, she, and the, the bartender, who I know knows his stuff, said, yeah. uh, Which would you like? We have this. Uh, it was a Napa Valley uh, Sauvignon Blanc and a New Zealand Sauvignon Blanc, two very uh, yeah. different wines. Two different wines. And, and he said, uh, Which one's more expensive? And okay. the, and the guy says, Well the Napa Valley was and he said, But this is actually really good. It's just a little it's a little fresher, but it's a little right. different one he goes, I want the expensive one. So, you know, he just he just felt comfortable I hope spending hope money. I hope
1: you learned something there, Rick.
0: Uh, if i'm take on a date i should you know spend you should money. ask for the expensive yeah yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> yeah people tell my wife that all the time she should she should she should have gotten the better model she, <laughs> she should have <laughs> asked for the expensive model <laughs> yes that's right yeah yeah and so, so and, but, but in both directions and sometimes but also the flip side of that is sometimes you know it's sometimes it's worth to you know to try wine if you've got the the money and just spend a couple bucks for a bottle of wine sure and, and see where it takes you. Yep. You know, you might you might fall in love with
1: it. Particularly if there's a wine that you've liked for a long time and you buy it, you've you bought it numerous times and the store clerk says, you know, you might, if you want to go up in price a little bit, you might want to try this. See if it's worth the money. It might be kind of fun
0: to see. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, and what else you got? And you'll have learned something, so you'll have paid for the lesson. Uh, well, along those lines, another one is don't always play it safe. They say if you don't step outside your comfort zone, then how can you be awestruck by a new wine? I like that thought. That's a good, yeah. yeah. I like the
1: awestruck. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Some of the wine writers we deal with seem to have been awestruck. Yeah. Or I'm, some kind I'm of often struck. dumbstruck, but you're that's dumbstruck. a whole different issue. <laughs> it's a worse problem. Yeah, uh. but you're absolutely right that that even though you know you like the wines you like, I've never met anyone who has tasted all the wines in the world. I never will meet anybody that way, and there's always something new and interesting coming down the road, and it's fun to find out what they are. You might find a hot new friend who's really delicious and isn't as expensive as the stuff you've normally been buying. And you
0: might find a good wine, too. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Thank you. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, it is. F- and, you know, and which is, is gets back to talking to the clerk and what some of our other yeah. suggestions is once you sort of establish a trust, then that person can know something about you and, and tell you.
1: And give you an idea that, right? that the new stuff from there, that, that you're not going to like that probably. But this over here, or this could yeah, be something and, you really like. And
0: then you too can be awestruck. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, This is We say this all the time But it never hurts To say it again Don't avoid the screw cap Sure There are some great wines And they are also Less likely to be corked Which is You know That problem of Bringing the wine back But there's Just plenty of Really good wines Perfectly good
1: wines In screw caps Yep No reason to judge A wine up or down Because of a screw cap Right
0: Right. Uh, although I will judge it up as will you on occasions when you have a whole bunch of wines to open.
1: Oh, boy. When I have to open 40 wines for a class of 60 students, it sure is nice to see a few screw caps. I always tell my students, you guys open all of these, I'll open the ones over here with the
0: screw cap. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's it's so much easier. And actually, there's, you know, I uh, when I'm, there's one restaurant and event I do in particular where, where uh, when I get the, t- if, I, if I can remember which one's which, because I'm ordering off of lists and what I remember, you know, is try to get screw-capped. For the restaurant's sake, too, because then they don't, you know, they have to pull the cork ahead of time, but you never know how much wine you're going to pour. Right. And, um, but with the screw top, you don't, because you just, boom, it's open. So right. you don't have to, it's, if when you're serving a large group, you just run back and grab it. Yep. 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 Good. So, yeah, number six, take advantage of the case discount. And I'll expand that to say oh, if you're in the supermarket often or the place to take advantage of the four or the six-bottle deal.
1: Right. For two right. reasons.
0: One, it's economical. But two, you'll get a chance. It'll
1: make you try other things. Well, maybe. There's another option, too, which is if you find a wine you like— Buy a few bottles because it'll really help mm. you understand how wine ages if you drink a bottle a month for six months or if you drink a bottle every three months or six months over the course of a few years. It gives you an idea of how wine changes. That's always a fun thing to see.
0: You know, I, I did that with a, a case of uh, Pinot Noir that I bought. Um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. And at the end of the week, uh, there was no difference. It was all
1: <laughs> Yeah. And it was all gone. Yeah. Yeah, well, so you I need to start spread over. it out a little more than that, right? Okay, well, I'll remember. <laughs> that,
0: you know? Yeah, um, and but same is true in 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 uh, with the supermarkets. You know, it always feels like oh, they're gouging you. You know, but if you're gonna drink the wine, sure, there's no downside.
1: Now, if you really don't have good storage, if you're living right. in the little camping trailer that Rick has parked behind his house out in the sun, that's not a good place to store wine. Yes, but I buy large blocks of ice and I put them on top of my wine.
0: <laughs> okay. Um, and actually I think there's another reason for it too. You know, if you're only buying one bottle, you know, you're gonna buy that probably feel a little more safe and buy the bottle that you know. Sure. Um, but if you're buying four or the six Yeah you you're might feel throw a little, in a little something yeah, that you heck? haven't tried before. Eh, let's yeah let's try something. Yeah, that's what, so, anyway, yeah. I, I we like that. So that's a good one. Um, good. And This one's a little more complicated. It says don't buy wine at the last minute. And what they're basically saying is the more time you have to poke around, the more likely you are to find something you like. It's true. It's also more fun, I would argue. If
1: you need wine and it's the last minute, this does not mean you shouldn't buy wine.
0: Well, that's true. What I'm saying is try to to get it before you need it. when you...
1: Get that call from a friend who says, I'm having a dinner party. I've set the table for 12, and somebody just called in sick. Rick, can you make it over here in 17 minutes? Rick, you just swing by the wine shop. You buy a <laughs> bottle of wine, yeah. and you show up yes. there because you're yeah. not going to get many invitations like that. Right.
0: Well, actually, he says, you just need to bring the wine for all the 17 people, and you'll there um, you go. and then we'll let you come. I get that one a lot, too. All right. Well, we have a couple to add to that list. Uh, and And this does include shopping at supermarkets, and you know there are some supermarkets where they 've got wine pilt folks in the aisle and they they do pretty good jobs too so uh think about them yep. um so here 's here 's our little list um uh, we you have want me to start one because yeah, yeah. I have one yeah. I, um, um given the way uh
1: w- both light and heat operate in a store. Buying wines on the very top shelf, you're more likely to get wines that have been too warm or been warm for too long, and they're more exposed to the fluorescent lights. Those are the that's the last place you want to, uh, to store your wine. And I wouldn't buy wines off the top shelf. Yeah,
0: and I dug up dug up a study as I am wont to do. Did you now? Yes, I did. Excellent. Remember, we used that not so long ago, and it was that uh, that that a group had tasted through over a. Course of a year, something like thirty six hundred wines. Yep. and and they said about a third of the wines were light damaged. In other words, they were dulled. Um, yeah, they had been dulled down. And it was always the. One light bottle, so you know, yep. not on the top shelf or in the first front of the row, and or if you have the option, you know, and it always seems like a smart idea. You know, you go to the you walk in the store, and there's the wine you like, and there's cases stacked in front, right? And you want to grab it, but really, either take either, one
1: from the back, take one just from the like back, just like from the newspaper. Yep. The first one somebody probably stole the funnies from, so well, take the and next the, one. And the
0: news is faded too.
1: <laughs> well, and the other thing is, the one place you never want to buy a bottle of wine from is the bottle that's been sitting in the display
0: window. Yeah, 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 yeah. That's not a good one for sure. Um, so mine is 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 this is a this really is a wine shop thing. But you know, uh, as I am always talking about, is that when you find wines that you like, you should take a picture of them, right? So, just so you have them, and it's an right. easy reference point. And yep. if you, we've we all carry on the cell phone. And if you find wines you don't like, take a picture of them as well. And, and I see you have a system for my, keeping those separate. My little system to make it simple is you turn your phone sideways on the ones that you don't like. Right. On the wines that went sideways on you. Yeah, there you go. That's the way you remember. That's but right. That way you it's easy to remember and then you can take them to your wine shop person and say, I liked these two, I didn't like these right. two. You've not now you've given them a real range of, of, of what your flavors might be right. and what your preferences yep. might be. So good. Yeah. Yeah.
1: Well, one of that I like because I know a lot about wine, so it's sort of fun for me to do this, is to raid the bargain bins. Cuz a lot of times wine shops like to keep their shelves filled. They like to filled. They like to keep, you know, a, a nice pretty set on the shelves. And every once in a while, you got a bottle of this or a bottle of that left over, and they'll just say, Oh, let's just dump it all in the bargain bin and knock it off 50% or something. Sometimes you can find some really good wines in those little shopping carts full of bargains. Yeah, and yeah. That, and and, and you know. just a word to the wary you can also find all the wines on the top shelf finding their way into that bargain bin, yeah. too. So you have to be careful. Yeah. Take right. it at the
0: bottom of the bargain bin.
1: <laughs> the bottom of the bargain yeah. bin. But give it a shot. You know? so <laughs> the
0: good news is you're not, it's a bargain bin. You're not paying that much. Right. Um, uh, so This is one of mine because I am something of a social person. But if uh, this, and actually I do this a lot. Actually, you,
1: look, you are desperately in search of friends, I, aren't you, I right? want somebody to talk to me.
0: Please. <laughs> no, if I see someone picking a wine that I'm thinking about or don't know about, I'll ask them about it. Uh-huh, uh-huh. So would you like, do? You, have you had that before? Is it good? You know, you, right. you have to say it in a nice way, you know, so right. that you make them. You, you can,
1: particularly do this with very attractive young women in the wine shop. No,
0: actually, I don't because I figured they're not going to talk. No, they're in gonna fact, just they're going re- to report you to the police. Yeah, and then the clerk will come <laughs> with the broom and they'll hit me with it. And, you know, no, but I, I actually do that often. Um, I also do a thing where when I see somebody staring, this is, I shouldn't. My wife has warned me about this. Is when I see somebody obviously confused and they're staring at you. you know, go and, offer to help them. I do. Yep, I you do. do. I, talk, I can tell him. Yeah. I was poor and poor guy, he was just staring and staring and staring at this row of Pinot Noirs, and I knew it, You know, and I, and I said, what do you like? And, you know, there's a handful of wines there. He just didn't know anything about any of them. So, right, right. So I well,
1: like, actually, and I, I've had, I actually ask people that for a slightly different reason. I'm just curious as to why people pick certain wines. So as part of what I do for a living, which is help people understand why people buy wines, I'll just sometimes go up to them, huh? have you had that wine before? no. So tell me
0: what led you to pick it. Well, I I like the flower on the label. Good to know. Uh, By the way, um, uh, this guy that I helped with, the Pinots, I told him, and by the way, if you don't like the wines, my name is Paul Wagner. (laughs) 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 Beautiful.
1: Thank you. I hope you gave him one of my cards. (laughs) That's right. right. Well, I'm going to take it on the other direction. Instead of being the local wine consultant, I would say keep going back to the same store Find a store Mm -hmm. that's got a good selection, keep going back, keep talking to the same clerk, develop a relationship so that that clerk can help you navigate through this complicated world of wine. And you'll find after a while that uh, it's just like being in the British upper classes in the 1920s where your wine shop steward will call you and say, "Um, excuse me, Mr. Cushman, but we just got... uh, uh, a new vintage of that wine you like so much. Would you like me to put a few bottles aside for you? And you can feel very
0: cool about the fact that you've got your own personal oh, wine man. merchant. It's always fun. Plus, the, you just develop a rapport. You you will feel you know all of that fears of talking to the clerk will go away. Right. They'll know right. you. You'll know them. Yep. You'll get your questions answered. It'll it'll you'll yep. speak the same language, so to speak. Yep. Good. Well, speaking of uh, language, our, our own language, I was going to say, <laughs> is uh, coming right up. We are going to. Take some questions. Uh, You are listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. It's time to take questions. If you'd like to ask us one, you can go to rickandpaulwine.com. All one word, Rick and Paul wine. Look for us on iTunes. Subscribe for free. Become our friend. Keep coming back. Rick needs
1: friends. Please, please come back. That's true. I do need friends.
0: <laughs> if you're new to us and you'd like to know what qualifies us to be answering questions or searching for friends. Well, and- I'm a nice guy. I'm Rick's friend. Yeah. and I was so say, One I- of the few. I talk to people in wine shops. There you go. <laughs> And they run screaming. Um, right, but Paul, too, besides besides the charitable work of being my friend, he's also a respected industry pro. He answers questions on allexperts.com. He teaches at Napa Valley College, at the Culinary Institute of America, and sometimes around the world. And sometimes around the world.
1: And mm-hmm. Rick is a longtime journalist, uh, wine commentator at Capital Public Radio, consultant to wineries, restaurants, and has even written a couple of books about wine, including one on the New York Times bestseller list about...
0: And, and generally, I'm a pest in the wine shop.
1: And a pest in the wine shop. Wine shop. Yeah,
0: okay, uh, our first question comes from Ahmed Harris in Santa Monica.-huh We've been getting some questions like this. I think this is the start of the year kind of a question. he is says, it? he said, our wine prices going up. It seems to me the wines I used to buy for ten to fifteen dollars are all a couple bucks more, and the expensive stuff is getting way more expensive. Is there something going on, is it related to the drought? You know,
1: it's funny because we actually had this as a prediction and as an analysis mm-hmm. of what's happening in the market that wine prices are going up a bit, so yeah, Ahmed, yeah. you're absolutely Good call. right. Uh, yes. Were you're you right. listening
0: to our show, Ahmed?
1: Or, or even better, would you like to be on our show because you <laughs> yeah, clearly we know more than we do?
0: Yeah, you're reading the market. Yeah, yeah, and, good question. Yeah, it is, and 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 the answer is simply, simply enough is is um, is yes, um, and. Uh, uh, there's lots of reasons why, but in, in, in simplest terms, is that the industry is pretty healthy.
1: Yeah. Industry's healthy. Uh, economy's actually not doing bad. We have a new generation of consumers that's not afraid to spend a little extra money on a nice bottle of wine. All of that's driving prices up a little bit, but the good news is you're getting really good wine for the money.
0: Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay, uh, this one comes from uh, Jeremy in Chicago. And by the way, this is our second Chicago question. We might have a new enclave. Excellent. Yeah, or it could have been, it could be that. Uh, uh, Andrew, who we called Anthony. Um, yes. Uh, he may he, have a friend. He may have. He he's probably does have friends because he's nice. <laughs> um, and so maybe he's telling him. But in any case, this is Jeremy, and he says. I don't know anything about wine, but I like a lot of what I try. But I've been wondering, why don't people in the wine aisle – this is funny. Why don't people in the wine aisle talk to each other? Clearly, he's not talking about me. But he, I agree with him. Why don't people in the wine aisle talk to each other or even make eye contact? It's like they're waiting to get a colonoscopy or something and are embarrassed about it. It goes back to that same thing of why don't they
1: talk to the clerk? They're afraid of being exposed for not knowing as much as the other person. So everybody's in the aisle thinking they're supposed to know more than they do. And in fact, the sad part is, if they talked to each other, they could probably turn each other on to some really nice deals of different
0: things they like. Yeah, yeah, you know, it's it's true though. I I see this, you know, I and mean, then it's funny because well, like Rick, you, when you walk
1: in, everybody averts their no, eyes. But that's
0: everywhere. It's the toothpaste aisle <laughs> too. Yeah, just <laughs> no. I I, I watch, uh, you know, and it is funny how that. Now, if there's a if there's like a couple, they'll they they feel a little more comfortable because there's two of them. there. Sure, they got but,
1: strength in numbers.
0: But there is this thing where people feel like, uh, I mean, in in a way, I think wine industry, you should be so ashamed of yourself that that this yeah. is people's reaction. Yeah. On the other know? hand,
1: I've always said if you if you if you know something about wine and you want to meet people, the easiest place to do it is just to stand in the wine aisle and say every two minutes out loud. I'm in the wine business if you'd like a little help.
0: Well, that's what I do, and you, you, you chastise me for that. You yeah, well, say, that's because, yeah. Because, well, um, yeah, I can't blame you. <laughs> okay, um, good. But it is. It, it's, it's a funny thing, and and, and, you, and what happens is you'll find people, and they kind of get this, like, they call it the thousand-yard stare going thousand on. right? Yard they're just stare. staring, right. and they're just staring, and they're that's just right. staring. And the
1: worst part is when the person who's staring wants exactly the same kind of wine you do, and you're both staring at the— $13 Chardonnays right next to each other and nobody's you know everybody's afraid to yeah, make a move
0: yeah well and I've also seen the the person who's like kind of runs and look, kind of looks around and ducks and then ducks down and picks one from the bottom which is the and this, then, this is expensive and yeah, then
1: scurries out that's yeah, right yeah and
0: don't be ashamed don't 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 be afraid of the wine aisle that's us don't be, don't afraid, be afraid of afraid. us don't be afraid don't ask be us afraid. questions and you'll get you can get I don't know it'll help you out in the wine aisle alright well <laughs> We are, that's it for questions for now. We will have more in the second half of the show. We have lots more in the second half of the show, including some really horrible wine writing and all kinds of other fun stuff. Stay with us. You're listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. I get so happy, and it's such a sad subject, (laughs) it's time. Oh, yeah. Time once again uh, for our shockingly, really horrible wine writing, and I use that word because I know what yours is. At least I saw the fart. It's horrible, isn't it? Yeah, yeah.
1: Okay, so here we go. Get this description. Almost shocking in its acidity. Ouch. With flavors of wax melon and taut accents of granite marjoram and pear skin. Ideal for wine drinkers new to the varietal.
0: Okay, there is nothing in any of those descriptions. If well, first we've we've got to go sideways on wax melon in a minute. But okay, shocking, okay. shocking in, it's in acidity. this acidity. I am I'm shocked that he would even bring that up. Okay, taut accents, taut accents of granite. Uh, yes, eaten much granite uh, recently, Rick? Well, only when it's taut.
1: Well, I don't, I don't. I don't eat loose granite. Loose granite, you only, know, taut only taut granite. the tot granite. No, yes. no, no slack granite for you. Yes. Well, and and if someone wants to know what granite tastes like, I suggest that what they do is they bend over and lick their granite top and they'll discover <laughs> that granite doesn't taste like anything.
0: Yeah, or or pear skin for that matter. What does well, pear
1: skin taste like? Um, you'd have to ask the pear. You'd have
0: to peel it off the pear. Who has ever? So has this writer? Well, it's a guy. We have to know no, it's a guy. We're not going to. Has you know, he peeled the in. skin off a pear? Has he paired the, and and tasted, and tasted it.
1: the skin without the pear? Yes. Well, that's a good question. And if he has, just
0: exactly what psychological problems is he suffering from? No kidding. And and I also wonder if he's tasted a wax melon because... I haven't. Yeah. Have you? Or no one has. No one has, because there ain't no such thing as a wax melon. (laughs) no such thing. Oh, well. Yeah. But it
1: sounds really good, Rick.
0: Yeah. Wax
1: melon and granite. Oh, you know what it must have been? Mm. It was like the fake fruit. Oh, you mean a wax melon. <laughs> yes,
0: it was. A wax. <laughs> Not a, a wax melon. A melon a of melon wax. A melon made out of wax. <laughs>
1: yes. Well, which, But my question would be, how does a melon made out of wax taste different from a carrot made out of wax? Well, it's bigger. Same wax. <laughs> well, it depends. It
0: could be melony wax. <laughs> <laughs> oh, Lord. All oh, right. boy. Somebody's <laughs> trying way too hard. Yeah, I'm um, no kidding. That's, and that is, that's the thing that drives us nuts. Those people are reaching for these obscure descriptions of wine, which taught, helps nobody. Taut accents of granite, my friend. Yes. And then ideal wine for drinkers new to the varietal. So wouldn't you pick out a few flavors they might recognize? You <laughs> You'd know, but, think, you know. wouldn't you? All right. So, okay, what do you got? Pale golden in color with secondary colors of light green. Well, that sounds okay. yummy, doesn't it? On the nose are silky aromas. On the palate, rich fruit flavors of lemon, lime, and citrus. Because the lemon and the lime aren't citrus, I love to have a glass in, in the evening. That's the whole description. Silky aromas. Silk. So on the on the nose are silky aromas, whatever they might be. And how's this aroma silky? Well, because it smells like silk. Mm. Well, maybe that's what he meant. And I don't yeah. know how smoke's silk smells. I know how it feels. Yes, um, and rich flavors of lemon, lime, and citrus. Right, because the lemon, and the lime, are not are not citrus yes. apparently, and it's good to know that he has a glass in the evening as opposed to in the morning. Because if it must, though, because you know, if he's right, there's like an interesting
1: thing. Is wouldn't it be now that would be a wine review to say <laughs> I love a glass <laughs> every my morning breakfast before <laughs> breakfast. <laughs> yeah, now you got my attention. I'm, gonna, I'm going out and trying a bottle of that one. Yeah. Yep. Wow. Okay. Oh, okay. well, that was that was sure good. Secondary stuff. colors of light green. Colors yeah. s of light green. Yeah.
0: So, so this is also somebody who has either gone through the a psalm test or is studying for something, because, or read a blog um, article
1: about it or something. Yeah, yeah, hard to tell.
0: Because you know that's where you have to. But there's there's just no nothing in that description. But he filled
1: all the blanks in wrong. He had all the sections right, but he filled all the blanks <laughs> yes, in well, wrong. So yes, no points. <laughs> you didn't pass. No, nope, we're Not buying this one because it's not. Yeah, it
0: was a Shannon Blanc by the way. Um, and there's nothing in there that made me think that, but. Um, all right. Well, we are, we are done with the, with the horrible wine writing for the moment, and uh, we are now going to take a trip. You are listening to Bottle Talk Ooh. with Rick and Paul, and we're going for a quick side trip to Tyson's Corner, Virginia. Wow. Uh, there was a tasting at the American Wine Society, the National Conference, where you were leading the tasting. I was so so. This is what we know right right away about the A W S, which is that they're a very nice group. So nice that they allowed you to lead a tasting.
1: Yes, they're so nice that they were even willing to allow me I'm to lead a you, tasting. These are so, good good folks. Well, and it was a so. Little, tell me about this. Yeah, though. well, um, so we had a tasting. We were tasting a group of classified growth Bordeaux's. And there were 600 people in the audience, so it's kind of exciting to get up in front of a microphone in front of 600 people and start talking about the wines they're drinking. Um, Tons of fun people really love the wines. They were delicious wines. I mean, they're classified Gros Bordeaux. So the secret to, to being a great speaker at a wine presentation, give them really good wine and don't talk too much.
0: Oh, you know, I've always found that, by the way, when you're doing wine presentations, and yes. you know, I do a lot of wine events for restaurants and that sort of thing, yes. I get way funnier as the night goes on. Same No, and, yeah. I can just That's keep, you know, it's by the third time, oh, I'm telling you. But honest. at
1: one point, somebody, I think, asked me a question about the show, because some of these folks listen to the show. Uh, in fact, our fan from Beaver, Pennsylvania, he was there. Kevin. He came up and said hi. It was nice. great to meet him. It was lots of fun. Yes. And w- the question was something about the show, and so I started talking about the show. And I mentioned, just sort of in passing, I said, you know. Um, one of the things on the show is we make fun of bad wine writing about these people who just list this long list of ridiculous terms. And I said, whatever happened to just telling people that you really think the wine's yummy?
0: And And I wasn't really
1: expecting it. And they did. But they burst into applause. Way to go, folks. Now, this is a group of people who take wine seriously enough. Right. That they not only belong to a society that tastes has organized tastings once a month, but this was the part of the society. They traveled from all over the country to attend this conference for three days outside of Washington, D.C. So these are pretty motivated. These are what most people in the world would call serious wine drinkers. Right. And they actually applauded to hear me say, stop rattling off 47 descriptors and just tell us
0: whether you think the wine tastes good or not. So uh, if if I may interrupt for a public service announcement, attention, wine industry, (laughs) pay attention to this. Listen to the people who are buying your product. This is your audience. These are your customers. These are the folks that are going to proselytize. They'll be out there in the world telling people about the wine. They love wine. They want to know about it. And you're selling it to them wrong. That's right you know that's and right these, these, I mean that's my right. lord if you can't see it in this group you know it's, y- you can't see it anywhere that's right right, yeah. right. right, right. Yeah. so and you know y- you were talking about this I'm only uh, a little familiar with them I have some friends that are members I haven't been uh-huh. to the conference but what well, I know I don't of think it, they would allow you to they're be they're smart a that's Rick. what we were already saying they're smart yeah <laughs> right so um, but I do know that it's a really great organization for a handful of reasons and one not the least of which you know for folks who like wine it's a really good way to just sort of dive into it in a friendly atmosphere
1: yeah. well there are Are almost six thousand members around the country. They have 125, 150 chapters. Each one of the chapters meets once a month and has some sort of organized tasting. I bet so they taste wine, yeah. Was they'll same, taste, yeah? you know, Chianti Classico, or they'll taste the wines of the Livermore Valley, or they'll do something like this. Mm-hmm. Uh, and then there, the, the members also sometimes get discounts at local wineries and other things. So it's a kind of a fun group. Um, really excited, really enthusiastic. I didn't meet very many of them that I thought would fall into the wine snob category. I met so many more who were into the wine enthusiast yeah. category. We're These just, are people who just love it and love to talk about it, and we're excited about
0: it. Yeah, and you know, it's funny because we we spend a lot of time making fun of wine snobs, but the truth of it is the it's vast. Because it's ma- so easy. Yeah, it's true. <laughs> the vast majority of folks in the, in the world who like wine are wine enthusiasts, and and right. you know this is this is how you want wine to be. And you know, we we get this question now and then, and you and I both individually get this question: right now, if I want to learn more about wine, what do I do? And this is an option. Yeah, great this way to do it. Nice folks, an comfortable, and yep. and I do think that you know. Learning about wine in groups is fun. And, it, you know, as much as we make fun of the the wine snob, it is fun sometimes to pick up that glass of wine and, and to deconstruct it. It's fun. Yep. But it's not how you describe it to sell it. It can just be fun. Well, and the other part of
1: it is that, you know, there are some pretty talented people here who participate in this, who make some of the presentations. You know, the Master Sommeliers, Masters of Wine are all showing up to, to work at this conference and, and do presentations and all the rest. But it's the membership to me that was really so attractive, just a lot of really enthusiastic good people.
0: Well, if it's an attractive membership, then I can't join. No, they wouldn't let you no, in. They, I don't they think they so. Would they, yeah. they would know better. Well, all right. Well, so way to go, American Wine Society and all that sort of stuff. And, and it's very kind of you. Let Paula talk to you. You're listening to Ball Talk with Rick and Paul. We are now going to go back to our mailbag. And one more reminder: if you'd like to ask us a question, we will give you credit, or not as you so desire, or we may leave it in our mailbag. Yeah, our mailbag is where it gets stuck. (laughs) I did mean mailbag. No, see, see what I mean about wine not supposed to be about making mistakes. Neither is radio. All right, go to RickandPaulWine.com. That's where you'll find us, and you'll find Paul making fun of me. (laughs) Not that I can blame him. <laughs> all right. Our next question. What's in the mail bog, Rick? <laughs> well, Melinda Lou and Monterey managed to climb out of the bog to ask this question. Good. Every time I read a story about a sommelier telling how they do their jobs, there's something in it about the in there about crafting a wine list and running a seamless wine service with elegance and all that bunk. I don't care if the towel's over the wrong arm. What about just helping me get a bottle of wine? Yeah, that's lovely. That's a good question. That's lovely.
1: And and one of the things I love too is the is the crafting
0: a wine list. Yes, yes. I assume all handcrafted. These wine lists are handcrafted. Oh, absolutely. They, they wouldn't be
1: machine crafted. No. Well, they are. They're printed by
0: a machine, so they're not handcrafted.
1: <laughs> well, and the other thing, at least it wasn't curated.
0: <laughs> well, you get that too. A curated yes, wine list. Yeah. Yeah. You do get those. Uh, right. Right. What happened to Picking. Yeah. You just pick the wines for your list. Yeah, yeah. Close your eyes. and No, th- th- that's a really good question. And um, there are plenty of—I see, it, once again, I, I blame the writers as much as I do those the psalm types, that, that there's this sense that that's what their job is when they're be in print, is to talk about the craftiness and the elegance and the, that the, well, uh, see, that the towel is on the right arm. To and, me,
1: there are two different things here. One of them is putting the wine list together. And that's a skill, and it's, a, it's important to listen to your audience and make sure that you give them the sorts of not only experiences, but maybe even adventures that they want. The other one is the service. And I think one of the reasons that sommeliers talk about the service is because I think so many people in restaurants actually, remember we were talking about what happens in the wine aisle, mm-hmm. I think people are afraid to ask sommeliers for advice on wine too. And so they come to the wine restaurant, or they come to the restaurant, and the sommelier comes over, and... The customer is afraid to ask for help. So, the only part of the service the sommelier can talk about that the customer's ever going to see is whether the towel's on the right arm and whether the wine's poured without dribbling it at all over the table.
0: Oh wait! You're not supposed to dribble it on the table. <laughs> Been getting Rick. that wrong. Well, Rick,
1: Rick, you're 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 still dealing with it, getting it out of the bottle into a glass rather than straight down the hatch. Are you but supposed to use a glass? You're supposed to use wow. a glass. I'm learning stuff supposed here. You're supposed to today. use a glass. Yeah. Well, I'll do a we'll do a show later on okay. whether you should. Yeah. Yeah. Um, So so I think that that whole service thing comes to the fore more partly because sommeliers recognize that a big percentage of their diners
0: are always going to have a little resistance to asking for help. And which, though, I, I think is precisely sort of Melinda's point here, too, is that sometimes the emphasis on the elegant service. Right. As is Is not the right service. Is less approachable. Service is making them, making people comfortable. comfortable. That's, you know, it is. We had a show, always now, it's been a month or two ago about a really great, uh, criticism of a uh, bad wine list, we called it was a failure in hospitality. You right, Because the right. wine list was so un- un- Nobody could figure out what the heck was on. Right, and, yeah. that's, and that's what, you are in the hospitality business first. You right. know And I mean, obviously you're in the business to sell wine and do some other things, but the idea right. is to be hospitable and then be seamless. Yeah. So that would be, so Melinda, I think that's a very good call.
1: Yeah, although, although I don't think we gave her an answer. I think we just said that she was a smart person.
0: Yeah, well, yeah. Well, she said, What about just helping get a ball wine? And the answer is we're we're agreeing with your frustration. Yeah. And um and, and I think you you hinted at an answer, which was to if you can, ask them questions. Well and
1: I and I and I think Melinda's right that I think a lot of restaurants could do a much better job of saying, uh, we're here to help. Now, for example, I was at a restaurant a while back in uh Berkeley and it was one of those complicated nouveau, all sorts of weird things on the wine list kind of wine list. And the, when the sommelier saw me looking at the wine list, he I think I told you this story, he sauntered over to me and basically said, with just a little hint of smugness, "Can I can I help you a little bit with the wine list? As if not to say... Not to say, can I help you with the wine list? No, but it was, I'm uh, sure you're completely befuddled by all these very clever selections of mine, so let me point you in the right direction. In fact, I knew most of the wines on the list, and I'd already picked one, and I said, no, I think we'll have that. And the minute I ordered that wine, he completely changed his attitude and said, yeah. And then he never offered to help anymore because I clearly knew something about wine. Which
0: is just as bad.
1: Which is just as
0: bad. Right, right,
1: right, 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 yeah, yeah, yeah. And there has to be a way for a server to come over and say, I would be happy to help you find the right wine for your dinner tonight. Uh, Let me know when and how you'd like me to do that. Rather than that sort of, do you need a little help on that list because you look kind of stupid.
0: Yeah, yeah. And, but I think this, you know, that is one more time. that sort of back to Melinda's sort of point about trying to be so elegant. And it, even when they mean well, it comes off as snooty as it opposed certainly to— certainly can. You want them to have a twinkle in their eye. Yeah. You know, and a, yeah. a smile in their step or whatever yeah. it is. You know, it's, and, yeah. I'll, not when yeah. they're carrying the wine because that's—yes. That's, that's, that, <laughs> All right. But anyway, Melinda, very good question. Um, so this one is from uh, Cassandra in Cherry Hill, New Jersey. And it's a good January question. Wow. She says, you guys sound like it's always sunny in California. It's neither sunny nor warm here. Are there wines that you can suggest that might make us think about summer? That would be the kind of – like the way people in Alaska wear those hats and fake sunlight lamps. (laughs) So
1: here's the cool thing is I um, have a number of friends in Europe, and they absolutely talk about this in Germany. That in the winter time in Germany, even though Germany makes some fabulous wines, very very often what they go into the store and buy is a bottle of sunshine from Italy. Nah.
0: Huh?
1: No, no, yeah. that that yeah. wine to them is not so much a bottle of wine as it is a. 45-minute vacation to Tuscany or Sicily or some place where it's warmer and sunnier. And I would say nice that's— Nice thought. So
0: this is—that this, is a nice thought. So it's, in essence, the place the wine came it's from— It's the place the wine came from. —brings the memory —brings the sunshine, sunshine with it. Yeah, Absolutely. I, I like that. Well, mine kind of is those—there's a handful of wines that I always say that, that sort of have—that remind you of, like, the summer gardens, Okay. You know, sometimes like a rich, rich Chenin Blanc will be one that will yeah. do that. You know, yeah. yeah. Um, so that's yeah. Know, it. It's, it's actually tends to be whites. Whites are the wines that you drink. A, a beautiful rosé is a summery wine. Yeah. you in the south of France. But the- all I gotta say <laughs> is, if
1: it's snowing outside, well, you turn and- up the. Heat. You do turn up the heat, but if it's snowing outside, instead of having a nice, chilled bottle of Rosé or Chenin Blanc, I'd rather have something a little warmer, not only in temperature, but also in messaging. So same southern France, but why not a Languedoc wine with some, you know, with some Grenache or Syrah in Mm -hmm. it? Mm -hmm. And yeah, think think of summer on the beach in Nice and that's nice.
0: here's the other thing that you do. It may not help the wine taste any good, but what you do, Cassandra, is you get out some uh, suntan lotion and you put it on and you'll put smell it like the beach. Put
1: the yes. beach towel out on the living room floor, yeah. turn the heat way up.
0: Yeah, you have to crank the heat and you put on the swimsuit. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, yeah, that's it. And maybe, Cucumber sandwiches. Maybe you throw the snow on the ground and pretend it's sand. <laughs> 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 I do like the concept of from the place, but I do also think that for me, for me, it works. I do.
1: I, but now, I, if Cassandra's in, yeah. New, in, in New Jersey, she goes to Florida for summer. You don't want to drink wines from Florida. No. I don't think there are many internationally marketed wines so, made in the state so of Florida. So then maybe
0: a good mojito might do it.
1: Well, a mojito or or a nice sunny Spain. Yeah. Nice, oh, yeah. Nice oh, yeah. sunny red wine from Spain. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Okay. Who's, who else is in the
0: mailbag? All right. Let them out. We got, Let out. got Let out. Anthony from Davis. He said, I read a wine magazine that talked about serving wine at the right temperature and said people should get a wine thermometer. Really? <laughs> Now I need a wine thermometer. <laughs> what, what is the best temperature to serve wine? Okay. So first of all, we need to point
1: out that Davis is the home of UC Davis, probably the most important wine school, certainly in America, one of the best in the world. Where Anthony could get a wine thermometer. And, and he certainly necessary. could get a thermometer, but it's also, I think, rather indicative of the world of wine that he's asking us questions about this, living <laughs> in Davis, when he's got, he's got what, 12 faculty members there who, have, who are certified in organic chemistry and, and viticultural science and all those sorts of things. Um, you don't need a wine thermometer. Rick has his 15-minute rule. I That's do. all well, you need. Well,
0: well mine's a 10-minute rule, but it's, it's— Oh, mine's a 15-minute rule. But mine's squishy then. about it. <clears throat> it could yeah. be 15, which is that you take your whites out of the fridge for 10 to 15 minutes. See, I'm
1: being squishy. Meanwhile, and, and, meanwhile, they've been in the fridge for an hour or more.
0: Right, yeah, your wines are chilled. So now you take them out of the fridge for 10 to 15 minutes. And they're good to go. And they're good to go. And you take put your reds in the fridge for the 10 to 15 minutes. Right, and they're good to go. And they're good to go. Because we tend to, you know, and, unless, and if you do happen to have a wine refrigerator, they're already good to go. But, but the truth of it is... When they talk about room temperature, they're not talking about—they are talking about the studio's temperature. Because yes. this you know, studio is this freezing. This studio is always freezing, yeah. But, yeah. Uh, but they're not talking about your house. It's not 70 degrees.
1: Right. They're, Rick they're, is wearing a snuggly even as we uh, speak I,
0: right I now. wish. I want a little—and my little puffy hat. A little hood little on. Puffy ears, <laughs> yeah. You know. um, so, you know, there's a—one a, a, my friend describes this, kind of think of it as targets as speed limits. 45, 55, 65.
1: Oh, I see. I thought you were saying you always want to be 10... Ten more than whatever it is. Well, that's me. Yeah, no. Uh,
0: <laughs> no so he's like, he said forty-five. Yeah. That's that's your whites. Yeah, and your refrigerator's thirty-seven, so it has to come right. up a little bit. Fifty-five is your lighter reds, like your Pinot Noir, and sixty-five would be the big cab. You uh-huh, know? Uh-huh. And so, um, although yeah. if it's a little cooler, it's not such a bad thing. It'll always warm up yeah, the right, glass. It's right. harder
1: to get it cold once you've poured it.
0: Yeah, the vast majority of folks uh, drink their reds in particular way too, uh, too warm. warm, and their and well, the whites too because cold
1: because it's winter in New Jersey, and they're trying to imagine it summertime.
0: Yeah. Yeah, sorry, Cassandra. Uh, yeah, and you're tr- probably drinking... See, that's the thing the whites do. You let them warm up just a tad. They're going to smell more simmery. That's, uh, so go. that's... Uh, but you do not need a wine thermometer. No. Um, okay. Uh, I think we have time for one more. Okay. Uh, this is uh, David in San Francisco. One of my friends kind of freaked because we were making bellinis and mimosas. I think he's still uh, celebrating the New Year's. When, m- making bellinis and mimosas out of good champagne uh, with a capital C, so I think he knows. He said it doesn't matter... That- To the cocktail, if the champagne or the wine isn't very good, is he right or is he just a snob?
1: Well, um, I don't think he's a snob because I think what he's really trying to do is protect the champagne, which is yummy. Um, And the answer is it does make a slight difference, although certainly when you're blending it, it's less important than if you're drinking it on its own. But I, I understand the guy's point that, gosh, you know, you can make a perfectly good mimosa or a Bellini with something not very expensive. Well, Bellinis
0: are supposed to be Prosecco if you're going to be exactly traditional right, about which it. which is so, even yes. lo-
1: much less expensive yes. than champagne. and a little
0: frothy if they're done right. You know. um,
1: but if, if David has a bottle of champagne that he doesn't have any other use for and he wants to make Bellinis or, or mimosas out of it, well, that's what he should do. Yeah.
0: And, you know, and actually, right. I don't want to get uh, too technical about it because this is really kind of a fun question. <laughs> is, but is that it also depends on how much of the juice you put in If it's a lot sure. of peach schnapps, a lot of the, you know, the the orange juice or whatever it is you're mixing with your your uh, champagne. If you put yep. a lot of it in, then the quality can go down and down and down. Yeah. Um, and yeah. If it, but, you know.
1: but the truth is, if you're happy doing it. David, you should go ahead and do it. And if your friend is upset, you should buy your friend a bottle of champagne and tell him to go off and do whatever he wants to do. Yeah, and
0: if you do it enough, you're going to be happy under any circumstances. Exactly right. Okay. Well, we are happily moving on. Uh, We're zip up the mailbag. But if you'd like to ask us a question about Bellinis or mimosas or wine, uh, you can go to rickandpaulwine.com. All one word, Rick and Paul Wine, coming right up. We have a food and wine pairing for you. Listening to Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul, and since it is dead of winter, as our friend Cassandra in Cherry Hill, New Jersey says, uh, we're going with the hunkering down kind of a food, at least one that works for me because you don't have to work too hard, which is takeout Chinese. Well, you know what? We must
1: be getting close to Chinese New Year's here, so it's even seasonally appropriate. Oh, uh, it here. is seasonally appropriate. Um, and I'm going to go with my all time favorite uh, f- uh, wine with this, with Chiz, the wine no American ever orders. Gewürztraminer.
0: Ah, oh, yeah, yeah. And that's certainly the 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 it's a l it's a great yeah. They can't well it's not that they can't say it, they think of blue nun and that sort of thing. Gewürztraminer sort of has a bad rep because it was one of the sort of you know, not great wines where we people were drinking out of jugs when people were drinking not great wines out of jugs. But it is. It's got. It's got you know, some tropical fruits. It's a little bit on the sweet side, or the impression of sweetness, and it, it'll. It matches. Little spicy. Yeah, it matches delicious, the palate. It gets yeah, cold. Yeah. It's served cold. It's a nice balance with the food. Well, well, I have one that I that we were actually talking about a bit earlier that I like, which is um, a, a Chenin Blanc on the richer side. I thought you were going to say Bellini. No, well, sparkling is also a very always a good always a good, idea. Always a good o- option. Um, and I have we have had this discussion before, where you have rolled your eyes at me. Although that is... Happ- any, happily... I would say any discussion... Any discussion, and happily that the direction. audience can't see that. Yes. Um, but I, if you don't get spicy food, if you just get sort of the richer, richer, more of the Cantonese style takeout, uh-huh, uh-huh. I've had uh, some Merlot, and and uh, Merlot, not it's perfect with it. It's kind of there's a richness to the Merlot. Rick, it's if worked. it makes you happy,
1: it's good. It made That's, me happy. Uh, if those are words to live by, if yeah. it makes you happy, it's good. Yeah, he's rolling his eyes as you said. No, I'm, "I'm not rolling my are eyes." You are too. All right. <laughs> <laughs> well, we will
0: we will save you all from any more eye rolling and, and close down shop for another round of Bottle Talk with Rick and Paul. Our engineer is Matt Pesini. Thank you, Matt. Thank you, Matt. Thanks to Capital Public Radio for the studio use. If you'd like to ask us a question that we can answer on the show or one that we can't answer, go to rickandpaulwine.com, all one word, Rick and Paul Wine, and don't forget to find us on iTunes. If you learned anything today, we hope it's that wine shops should be fun, almost as fun as we are. I'm Rick Cushman. And I'm Paul Wagner. Remember, the best wines you drink are with friends. Or with us. Especially with us.